To him who is and who was and who is to come be power and glory and honor and praise forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's second reading from James chapter 3. I'll remind you of these words. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I know this is kind of a cliched way to begin any kind of speech, but I I actually looked up wisdom in the dictionary. And not an actual dictionary, but an online dictionary. Dictionary Dictionary.com defines wisdom like this, one of their definitions. Knowledge of what is true and right, coupled with just judgment as to action. In other words, wisdom isn't just knowing lots of facts, lots of stuff, but it's taking the correct and proper action based on that knowledge. For example, if you know that the Starbucks coffee you just purchased is a piping 190 degrees, and yet you yank off that cover and just begin to guzzle it, well, you're not using wisdom, right? You're not acting with that knowledge that you have, and also you're about to go to the emergency room. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. My friends, we are spoiled. We are so greatly blessed. Through the working of the Spirit in word and sacrament, not only do we know who Jesus is and what he has done for us, we apply that knowledge. The Spirit leads us to do that so that we trust in Jesus and we trust in him alone for salvation. That kind of wisdom is no small thing. Nor is what it affects in us in our daily lives. When the Spirit called us to faith in our Lord Jesus, he not only changed our hearts, he also changed the way that we live our lives. Being made wise for salvation means that we live with wisdom in our lives. In the portion of God's holy word before us this morning, today, uh, James, who is the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, encourages that kind of wise living. In a sense, he says, let wisdom shine. And he's not talking about the kind of wisdom that we find in our world. He's talking about the wisdom that comes only from above, from heaven. He's talking about the wisdom of faith. I encourage you to sit down sometime and just read through the five chapters of James's letter. It's an informative, interesting, and inspiring read. The Bible teaches from beginning to end that we are saved not by what we do, but by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But James makes the point that though we are saved by faith alone, faith is never alone. Faith always produces good deeds. In fact, James says faith without deeds is dead. It's not real faith then. Martin Luther once described faith as a busy, living, active thing. Faith just automatically produces the fruit of wisdom and good deeds. In our text, James contrasts two kinds of wisdom, worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And he he does so so that we understand the difference. This is how he describes worldly wisdom. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. 
When we hear his words, we recognize that the world really hasn't changed all that much in the last 20 centuries. Bitter envy, selfish ambition. Those two little phrases describe the world in James's day, and they still describe our world today. Let's talk about them. Bitter envy first. You know, we live in a world where coveting is encouraged. Being envious is really just a way of life. This is what advertising is based on. Savvy copywriters try to convince you constantly that what you have is not good enough. You need a better computer, a better house, a better phone, a better razor, a better wife, a better life, whatever it may be. And boy, they are very good at creating discontent and envy in our hearts. Another example, many of us dabble in the world of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The last time one of your friends posted on there uh, a tropical vacation that they took, uh, or maybe a new car that they purchased, perhaps some great accomplishment that they or their kids had done, be honest with yourself, what was your first reaction? Was it a smile of excitement that said, oh, good for them, I'm so happy for them, that's just terrific? Or was there a little part of your heart that said, boy, must be nice. I sure wish I could take a tropical vacation. I sure wish I could have that kind of life. That's what James is talking about when he talks about bitter envy. The world is full of it, and so are our hearts. Bitter envy logically leads to selfish ambition. We envy others, we covet what they have and what we do, and so we work ourselves to death trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, I wonder honestly, how much of what we do as employees, as students, as co-workers, as spouses, as friends, we do just because we don't want to end up looking bad. Because we want to be as savvy and as cool looking as everybody else in the world. How much of what we do in our lives, how much of what we say, just comes from pure narcissistic selfishness? You know, if we could, if we could quantify that as data in a spreadsheet, I don't think we would like the results. I know that our God doesn't. But this is what the world preaches and teaches us. Look out for yourself. Take care of something, of number one. Do something nice for yourself. You deserve a break today. Climb to the top of that ladder. And yeah, you may have to step on a few people to get up there, but that's okay. That's the way we do things. This is the world's standard operating procedure. This is the, world, the way the world says you get ahead. This is what the world calls wisdom. It's not. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. And it leads to awful results. James tells us, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. No wonder this world is such a mess. And no wonder our lives are often so messy because, you see, by nature, we are just as envious, just as self-centered, just as guilty as the rest of the world around us. Jesus wasn't. I'll say that again because it's a beautiful statement of good news. Jesus 
wasn't. No, in no way was Jesus guilty. That word can never be applied to our Lord Jesus. And bitter envy, selfish ambition, no, no, that wasn't a part of his life either, not ever. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus lived exactly the opposite kind of life. We struggle with bitter envy. Jesus did not. He lived in perfect contentment and trust of his Father. We struggle with selfish ambition. Jesus did not. He didn't think of himself. He always thought of others. He always thought of sinners, of the lost, of those who could never survive without his love. In other words, my friends, he thought about you and he thought about me. So what happened to this man, this God-man, who was always looking to the needs of others? Well, he was murdered. He was nailed to a chunk of wood. He died in agony. He carried our bitter envy and our selfish ambition. He carried all of the unspiritual and demonic in his own body. And he shed his priceless blood, divine and human blood, on the cross to pay for all of it. It is finished. Our ransom has been paid in full. Which means, my friends, we are free free from our sins, free from our guilt, free from the punishment that we deserve, and free to live the kind of life our God wants us to live, a life of humility, a life of wisdom, a life of selfless service to others. And by the way, not just free, but empowered, energized, enlivened to live that kind of life. A family drove into the campground Immediately, the kids jumped out of the station wagon and began setting everything up. The tent, the grill, the table, the chairs, everything. And they did this with military efficiency. The guy at the next campsite was sitting in his chair watching all this, kind of shaking his head. And finally, he got up and he walked over to the dad. And he said, boy, I, I've never seen kids work so hard. What's your secret? This is amazing. And the father said, well, we've been in the car for about four and a half hours. I just told them that they can't go to the bathroom until everything is set up. Crude, but effective, right? Our father doesn't treat us like that. He doesn't deal with us in that way. He doesn't drive us with threat of pain and punishment. He compels us by the love of his son who died for us. He compels us by that love to live a life of wisdom and service to others. A life which James describes this way. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. It's a long list of adjectives describing our life. I, I want to go through them with you one at a time. James, first of all, puts purity at the top of the list. You know, everything that we do in thanks for our Savior's love is sanctified by his blood. Our works are imperfect. We can never give God what he desires fully. But Jesus shed his blood, and that holy blood cleanses even our imperfect works so that they are sanctified, so that they are pure and holy in the eyes of God. Motivated by Jesus' cleansing blood that purifies us, we are then able to live a life that could be called peace-loving, which means we try to foster unity and peace among our friends and neighbors and family members. We try to avoid argumentation, which is such a big thing in our country right now. We try to avoid that, especially when it's about stuff that just doesn't really matter. Next on the list is considerate. 
Not a complicated word, right? That's holding the door for the elderly lady at the restaurant. That's letting somebody go ahead of you in line at the grocery store. That's uh, just saying to your neighbor, is my music too loud? Is my fire too smoky? It's putting yourselves in other shoes and thinking about what they feel, what they need, and then acting accordingly. Submissive is next. Submissive is not a word that our world likes. Our world does not like to submit. Our world likes to get out there and get after it. Our world says if you want to get anywhere in life, you've got to go out and you've got to be the loudest and the boldest and the brashest. Our culture is, is so demanding and so entitled. Christians are not to be that way. We are to submit ourselves to others. Now, this doesn't mean that we just become the world's rugs, that we let everybody walk all over us, and that we never, ever defend ourselves. But it does mean that we just don't go around constantly demanding our rights. It means that we are willing to be inconvenienced, to be put out for the sake of others, to live in meekness and humility as we serve them. Full of mercy, James says. Years ago when I was in college, I was at a friend's house late one evening and there was a knock on the door. At the door was this huge guy. Must have been 6'4", 6'5". Big burly guy, uh, big bushy beard. He was covered in tattoos. He was wearing leather. He was a biker. And not only that, he was a pretty scary looking biker. And he was also hammered. He was just falling down drunk. And he looked in and with his slurring voice he said, Could somebody give me a ride home? I'll never forget my friend's parents' reaction. They didn't say a word, they just looked at each other. And then one of them grabbed their car keys and they walked out on the porch and each took an arm and they walked him down to their car and they took him home. There was no judgment, there was no scolding, there was no call to the cops or even to a company to call a cab. There was just simple mercy for that man. That's heavenly wisdom. Full of good fruit, James continues. Have you ever met somebody who is just constantly doing something for somebody else? Mowing the lawn at church, volunteering in the community, delivering that casserole to a, a grieving friend, mowing the lawn or, or shoveling the snow uh, for that elderly couple down the street. My friends, the wisdom that comes through faith has worked in our hearts and has enabled us to be that kind of person who is always looking out for others. And also to be impartial. You know, it, it's easy to overlook your friend's foibles and failures because you like that person. It's your dear friend. But it's not so easy when it's the annoying busybody next door. But our God calls us to be impartial. Christians are to look on each and every person, whether it's the drug addict sitting in jail or the guy who runs the local food pantry, with exactly the same eyes. We are to see each and every person as a fellow sinner, a precious soul for whom our Savior shed his priceless blood. And we are to be sincere in our faith, James tells us. We are to be the kind of people who say, I'm praying for you, and then actually go and pray for that person. The kind of person who volunteers and then shows up. The kind of person who says, I love you, and really means it, and shows it with their deeds. Now, I know what you're thinking. After this long list of wonderful adjectives, you're thinking, Pastor, this is all wonderful stuff, but... Boy, it sure doesn't describe me most of the time. And I hear what you're saying, believe me, but it actually does describe you. 
This is what Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said, Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. All those wonderful adjectives describe our Savior to a T. And through the Spirit's gift of faith, God now considers His life as your life. His perfect thoughts and words and actions as your perfect thoughts and words and actions. You see, by faith in Jesus Christ, you are holy in God's eyes, completely forgiven. And along with it, you are enabled and empowered and energized to live a life of love and service to others. Who do you think are the wisest people in the world? Scientists, philosophers, university professors, CEOs, captains of industry? Maybe, if they're Christian. Dear Christian, you are among the wisest people in the world. By God's grace, you have been made wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. By God's grace, you know and you serve the world's only Savior. Let that wisdom shine, because believe me, the world needs it. Amen.